talking about video games. Yeah! Welcome everyone to the Donkey Kong Artist Video Game Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Shanley. Joining me, as always, are my two best friends ever, Edmund Arnold and Colin Cordega. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Pat. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm doing well. Um, playing a lot of video games this week. What? That doesn't sound like you. time, you know, to kill before these new releases start happening, so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again, guys. And uh, I have to have a quick confession follow-up from our top ten. I did a lot of traveling recently. Decided to put a little bit more time in Zelda Breath of the Wild just for how uh, much offense I got, and I was wrong. It should be at least two, maybe even one. I still love PUBG, but I was wrong. It's better than Super Mario, and I'm sorry. Yes! Oh, my God, I've been playing Zelda so much, it's getting out of control. Yeah, I just I put a ton of time into it. And I'm actually um, pretty much just prepping up food, and I may go make a run again. And so uh, it's yeah. Look at you! It's a great game. I could probably have to do the same and shout out Xenoblade Chronicles too. I've been playing a lot of that game. I put like 50 hours into it, and it's a lot more delightful than I thought it was going to be. Had a lot of quirky, stupid stuff in it, but down to the nitty gritty, it's a really good game. So I'd probably put that as my 10. Well, speaking of quirky, stupid stuff, uh, Nintendo announced the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life, uh, the Nintendo Labo, which is a, that's the stupidest name also. What the hell is that name? I don't get it. What, I, like, how is it, what's the play on? Is it like a lab? Like, that's what they're trying to replicate? Like, you're going to be creating your own things? Like, testing, I guess? Putting it out, you're your own scientist, is that what it is? Or it, is it just like, we're, we're Nintendo, we like to name are things really stupid names. It's like the guy who was writing the name died halfway through it. <laughs> just like, oh, whatever, just go with that. It's like half of a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't understand it either. I did kind of hear, I don't know if this was someone kind of making a joke, but I did see someone post some photos of, like, uh, Japanese restaurant chains with the, fr- with the word Labo in it. Like, I don't know if it's a commonly used, like, kind of phrase, but I'm assuming it's a play on laboratory. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get the, the choice. But then again, I did not get Wii or the the Wii U or any of their decisions or when I first heard Switch. The Wii. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they always make some interesting choices. At least the Wii made sense because it looked like, it looked, I mean, if you look at the console, you're like, oh, okay, that looks like a Wii. Yeah, it's and French. Then, like, and they had the cool nunchucks, like that's a cool name. To Switch, it looks, it looks like a Switch because once you put it into that uh, dock or whatever, it switches over into the big screen. That's how I think of it, but... Labo, I just, I don't, and I know we're gonna, I, I, just, I overall hate this product altogether. The name just like puts a nice little cherry on top for me. Yeah. What's cool about the other systems is, is that they were systems, not like cardboard boxes that you cut up and put together. <laughs> well, who came up with this idea? It's insane. I like it. First, I'm going to start with that because I know that you guys have different opinions, at least Eddie does. Uh, I think it's innovative. I think it's cool. Uh, I think it's like getting kids into like building stuff, sort of like Legos. But they want you to spend seventy to eighty dollars on cardboard. Yeah, it's I don't know. I, I'm also I'm actually in the camp with you, Pat. I think this isn't intended for people like us. For the three of us, this is not targeted at us. I think the switch is a little bit the sales have been fantastic. Fantastic, but I also think it's a heavier, less sturdy uh, model than a 3DS. So I think some parents have not gotten over the line to buy it for their small kids. But the Labo is actually something they can play with their kids. They can actually like monitor what they're doing, and it also goes into the craze of like you know um, um, building with Minecraft. It also kind of takes in kind of a Lego S side where you're following instructions on the Switch. Like I said, I won't buy it, but I think it's a great idea. And I, I'm excited to see where they'll go with this. What will be the next iteration or the one after that? I think mm-hmm. that's going to be where it may bridge the gap where I may want to purchase something like this. But hopefully it's not cardboard. But my, see, and my issue is, like, you've done this before with Skylanders. You've done this before with your Amiibo. Like, you've done these type of innovative things. Build on that. You know what I mean? Like, why? Give us an actual toy. Give kids an actual toy. Why are you giving kids see, cardboard? I think the toy market, though, that doesn't work. That's They failed. It, it hasn't worked. I think that's why they're going to this. Um, Amiibo is the only action figure that's actually like of that place. I don't even know what that model is called. But Amiibo is the only 
successful one, and that is not even... Amiibos aren't played like Skylanders. It's basically a toy that gives you slight DLC that you can get drops in games for the most part. And I do think that this is a step outside because they saw that Skylanders failed, uh, Disney Infinity failed, all these different um, toy games have failed. So I think they're going into this new market where they're like, hey, let's try to go to the Minecraft style. Let's have it where a parent can sit there and build with their kid. Now, also I'm wondering if they're like, hey, we can cash out because when someone rips their cardboard, they're going to have to buy a replacement um, pack or... Do people just go and get a pirated copy and build their own um, cardboard? That's even more creative. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it, you're giving kids garbage. You're giving kids garbage to create. <laughs> and I, 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 like, I get it. Like, it's then make it cheap. Make it twenty to thirty dollars. Make it accessible for kids who can't really afford to go out and buy the big Lego sets. But you're not doing that. And I understand that Nintendo Switch is always expensive. It's already expensive, and a lot of, and I'm. I'm not trying to gear this like low-income family should be playing with cardboard rather than Legos, but I'm just trying to say like it should be more affordable, right? Um, and then there's only like, like six options. You're making a fishing rod, a RC cars, a house. And what are you doing with a house? Okay. What kind of game? I, I just don't. I don't get it. Like I just don't understand. Is it? Are you creating and then you're putting your switch inside of it and then the switch is engaging with what you created? It's an actual game. It's just and, and then that whole argument is like it's for my kids. That's the worst argument you can make. It's just like, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to buy it for my kids. It's like, I don't care if you have kids. There's a whole segment of people that are gamers that don't care that you have kids. So that's, that's, my, that's my only issue. I think there's a huge anti-kid stance as far as gamers go, <laughs> as we saw on I, Twitter. I work with kids 40 hours a week, and then, then i got to come home and see that my Nintendo Switch is catering to them too. I don't care about that. I don't care about them. Buy them Legos, buy them Connects, buy them Lincoln Locks. They already have stuff, stuff that they could build with. I will say this. I don't know if you guys have ever bought Legos in the last 10 years. Legos cost $8 trillion. Uh, yeah, they're they're roughly expensive. the GDP they're of expensive. every single European nation is how much one Lego set costs. <laughs> yeah, I saw that uh, Millennium Falcon. Someone purchased it on like a, a live stream on Twitch or something, and they were building it. And it's like a $800, $900 set. Like, it's, it's nuts. Oh, uh, this all together would be $280 then. Somebody somebody watched somebody build Legos on a live stream? Oh yeah. No, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that their their like supporters bought it for them. So they didn't pay a cent on the thing. I have no connection to this world anymore. It's like I'm an alien who came down to Earth and everything is just foreign and weird to me and scares me. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. It's a different time. I I think when it comes down to it, I know Eddie, you're you're really like upset over this and like i said it's not targeted at us i think if i i really think it's actually going to be all right i don't think it's going to be astronomical sales mm. but at the same time have you ever seen a little kid around a cardboard box yeah i have they, they, a, two, they, a, two, yeah. a two and three year old around a cardboard box a they two and three it. year old's not playing a switch so any any little kid any little kid that has slight help with deciding the purchasing power of their parent is going to try to get this. Because I saw there's, yeah, there's, like, you can just straight up build something. They have a backpack. They also have, like, a bird, apparently. There's other, like, iterations of this that will come out. Like I said, I'm not going to buy it, but I think uh, business-wise, I think this makes sense. I think this is the reason why Nintendo is able to do what they do. It's because they innovate, and that's what they have been doing. Sometimes <clears> they <throat> fail, but I really do think this has potential. I don't know if it's going to do well, but I think it has potential. Yeah. Whether or not it does well doesn't even matter to me. It's just the fact that, like, this is the one company that is just insane enough to try stuff like this. I don't know. I commend them for that. Like, just to be that, like, innovative and gung-ho about, like, new ideas. Like, Microsoft would never do something like this in a million years. Yeah, but why would they need to? <laughs> well, they're getting their ass kicked, though. Like, they're so far behind the other two. So they're going to put a cardboard box in a, and sell it for $80 and then call it innovation? I just like, If it works! <laughs> I'm scared that this is going to work. I'm scared that you dumb parents are going to go out and buy their dumb kids' cardboard boxes to build with. <laughs> and then all Nintendo's going to be like, we're making a lot of money on this, so let's just, like scrap the Super Smash Bros. that we have in the corner. Let's focus on making like a, fro a cardboard frog that people can play Frogger with or some bullshit like that. I just I don't want it to take off and then the trend be like look at we look at motion controls we came out and then playstation microsoft they all put a bunch of money in the motion controls where is that now it's non-existent so this is what happens nintendo comes out and they do these innov innovative things and then the whole market like 
basically morphs themselves to follow that trend, and then it ends up being a big bust, and then we end up losing out on projects because so much time and energy was put into these other <clears throat> motion control, virtual I, reality. I, I, dude, I, Eddie, I think you're too cynical on this one, man. You're, you're like doomsday. <laughs> I, I think, like, I, I'm with I'm with Pat in my mindset where I would rather I like applaud Nintendo for trying to do something different when all Microsoft and Sony are trying to do is figure out a way how they can br- make the time between consoles shorter, how they can put a new iteration of a PlayStation Four that you're going to go buy the same PlayStation that's slightly souped up with graphics, but it's like you know you're buying a new model every two years. Before we know, right. we're going to be in a yearly iPhone-type situation with Microsoft and Sony, so I applaud Nintendo for going out of the like the normal setting, and they, they've been so successful in the Switch, where they're like, you know what, we can afford to, to take some risks now, because we're, we're financially sound with how well the Switch is doing compared to the Wii U. Right. Well, l- let me ask you just this simple question. When the Xbox One X was announced, and when Labo was announced, what had better, what had a bigger reaction online? Like, the Xbox One X, people were like, oh, neat, like a slightly more powerful Xbox. That The only people who would even notice that difference are like hardcore gamers. Whereas the Labo happens in like, if I had a grandma, would be like, oh, my word, look, it, it's, it's a <laughs> cardboard box. Nintendo stands, Nintendo fans, and I consider myself to be one. This is why I'm so upset with, with this. They are so forgiving of Nintendo. And they're constantly just like, yes, do it, you're fine. We don't need any new games. And it's been like that for years, right? If you mm-hmm. go into any community, I, like I tell everyone, <clears throat> Nintendo has the greatest community. There's no toxic. There's, it's not toxic. Everyone's generally nice to each other. Everyone is very supportive of Nintendo. So that's that's why Nintendo can get away with things like this, because they have a community that's really accepts them with open arms no matter what they do. And then the Xbox, is, you, as you know, with Microsoft, that's a toxic community. So no matter – you could give that – I mean, people were getting free games on Xbox and PlayStation, and they were complaining about it. <laughs> so it's just it's just a different different type of community, in my opinion. It's like the Rainbow Coalition of video games. That's what Nintendo is, though. Yeah. They're, they're just like the multinational... Come on, people now. The Michael Jackson... <laughs> um, what's that song that he did? We're all black and white or whatever, where he went all over the country. That's like Nintendo. Yeah. You know what Michael Jackson song I like? Dirty Diana. That's a great song. Yeah. That's a good song, yeah. I just wanted to work that into the conversation. He's, he's got some hits. That that Michael Jackson guy, he's going places. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. That guy, I think he's uh, he's made a hit or two with uh, a lot of limits. <laughs> one to watch. He's no Celine Dion. He's no Celine Dion. Oh, Celine Dion with her crazy accents. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> I would like to do one topic that doesn't doesn't devolve into where I'm not even sure how we get there. It takes like three seconds, too. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So, are you guys going to buy Labo? Uh, I'm going to call it. I'm not going to buy it. If somebody gave it to me, I'd be excited to try it out. <laughs> yeah, or, or like, I'm curious to see, will there be Labo knockoffs? Like, the thing is, like, other companies aren't not allowed to take this idea and kind of go with it. That's the, the one of the few things that's great about, you know, having a free market in... Yeah, maybe someone comes in, they take the idea, they figure out a way to not make it cardboard, but it's, it's interesting, the cardboard thing, I'm, I'm just, I don't get it, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense, because like, oh, you can build a bunch of different things, but not buying it, we'll see where it goes, I'm hoping maybe a couple iterations down the line there's something cool, but I can see the value as a parent of wanting to get this, and like me being able to convince, like, oh, I can convince my wife to buy a Switch, because I'll get the Labo, and then I'll have Breath of the Wild on the side that I'll play at night, and I will uh, hide this Switch for my kid at night. Yeah. So when it comes... I, you know, I, sorry. <laughs> and I'm just, would you buy it? Because I'm just coming from... I'm the video game uncle, so I, I, I buy video games for, like, my nephews and nieces, the ones that are into it. I'm just thinking, like, if I brought them a Labo, what type of reaction would, a, like, a 10 to 12-year-old give me? Would it be like a happy reaction? Would it be like, what the hell is this type of thing? Would they so say lab no or would they say lab yes? That's the question. Hey, I've, I've played Minecraft with my girlfriend's uh, little brother and he's uh, he's about like 9 or 10. And I, I honestly think if I would just show up with a labo and switch at their house, I think he would go nuts. I really do. God, I hate Minecraft. <laughs> but dude, that's you're out of touch. Dude. Kids love Minecraft. Like, I know, this that's, is the that's type all of my thing students talk about. That's all my students talk about, Minecraft and that Fortnite game where they build stuff. Like, like kids like building, I get it, but it's like, oh my god. Like, play Grand Theft Auto. And you're gonna, <laughs> Grow you get older, then you're gonna get so much worse and crappy, man. If you're like this and you're not even 30, whoo! I know, yeah, have fun, guys. 
<laughs> Damn <laughs> kids with their cardboard. Back in my day, we played with joysticks. <laughs> you can't even step on the cardboard and scream in pain like a Lego. <laughs> All right, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Labo. Uh, one thing that I think we can probably agree on, even though like, I haven't gotten my hands on this game, I don't know about you guys, but I'm very excited for it, is Monster Hunter World, uh, which looks... I don't know. It looks amazing. First off, the reviews, the early reviews for this game are off the charts. It looks amazing. The graphics are great. The world that they built is great. There's tons of different monsters. I'm a fan of the series already in Monster Hunter World. What do you guys think about this game, and how do you think... It seems to me this is the first big game of 2018, right? Uh, yeah, and it's um, it has to be big for Capcom, right? Because Capcom's slowly getting out the game. They're slowly making more slot machines, pachinko machines, so it's this is a huge game for them. And from the beta that I played, I probably put like five hours into the beta. This is going to be a huge game. This is going to be a very, it plays well. It plays like a Monster Hunter. They've gotten, I, I played a lot of Monster, I played Monster Hunter Generations for my 3DS. It seemed like they directly translated that 3DS formula straight to the console. And that, to me, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I am excited. I, I love it so far. It's it plays well. It feels well. So it's very hard, but it's one of those games that I could I could see just absolutely gravitating. Yeah. Is now uh, Eddie is generations on 3ds. Is that one of the more recent Monster Hunters? Because I know they've been making the games for over a decade now. Yeah, that's the most recent one that came out. I think uh, in 2016 <clears throat> in the United okay. States. Um, I did not think I, I got. I was introduced to it through the Bombcast. They used to talk about it a lot. I like the systems in it. It's a very, very intricate, very deep game. There's a lot of menus. There's a lot of like killing certain type of monsters to build certain type of armor or weapons. It feels like a Destiny, right? It feels like a Japanese Destiny. You get to play with your friends. You have your little uh, Palico cats that help you out. So I'm very excited. It's all about armor. It's all about loot. It's all about you know, building up your scouting flies that helps you find the monsters in the area. So this game has a lot of systems. This game has a lot of depth to it. And I think that it's going to be one of those games that's going to be like... I know a lot of... It doesn't seem like a lot of people are talking about it, but I feel like as more people play about it, it's going to be like one of those games that's going to take over the industry this year. Yeah, it really, it really seems like it's this first... This is the first real big game of 2018 that people are starting to talk about. You're seeing buzz on Twitter. Um, different people in the industry are really excited about it. It seems like it's like one of those franchises that every game developer really admires and likes putting time into, uh, whether they're Japanese or like, you know, uh, U.S. developers or even like European. Um, seems like it has a pretty big cult following, um, which I'm really excited. But I think the Destiny thing's key. Uh, they're very different but similar in some aspects. I think the fact that I put a lot of time into Destiny makes this game seem less daunting. And so I'm excited to jump in. I'm new to the series. Uh, I have my copy pre-ordered, so it will uh, be delivered here on Friday. It's upcoming Friday this week, the 26th, and I'm excited. It's, it reminds me, it's sort of like adult Pokemon, you know? Like, it's basically the same concept, I guess, except you're killing these monsters instead of, like, capturing them. But... Yeah. There's something so simplistic and so much fun of just going around and tackling, like, big monsters. It's why I love Shadow of the Colossus. It's why I love Final Fantasy games. Like, you just walk around and then, like, boom, big scary monster, kill that guy, move on to the next one. Yeah, I think we can compare more to, like, a Shadow of Colossus more than yeah. so a Pokemon. So I... I'm not knocking on you, Pat, because I think the game industry does How this. Dare you. I fall into victim of it. I think we compare a lot of Japanese games to Pokemon games. Yeah. I think we, but then again, a lot of Japanese games are modeled after Pokemon. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but like, it feels like you get to mount these monsters, right? And then what? And you, Pat, you, you know me. I think oh, our friendship kind of became so strong because we both realized that we like Shadow Colossus at a very early age, when no one else even knew what that game was. So I think Monster Hunter kind of takes that formula of mounting monsters. Um, having to be very strategic on how you approach different fights and things like that. And I think it really expands on it to the point where it's just like you have to kill certain monsters to build certain gear. And it's just, I, I feel like if you've played Destiny or if you played those type of loot grind games, you would love this type of game. Especially if you're like in the Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, that type of stuff too. 
Yeah, I feel like they also did, um, which I'm sure, you know, we may get to later with, uh, with talking to the Monster Hunter guys, but I really think there's a subtle switch to make it slightly more geared towards a Western audience. I think mm-hmm. they really are looking for that smash hit that's going to be played across the world. And I, I believe it went from prior Monster Hunter games were more zone-based maps. So, you know, you could just load into a zone. But I guess it was really easy to cheese the game, and you're able to just, like, be in a tough fight, leave the zone, go heal, and then pop back into that zone. So it's going to be interesting seeing how veteran players also adapt to the new format of it just being one giant, like, living, breathing, open world. Yeah, and a big part of these games is, like, chasing after the monster once you've defeated them. So I spent, like, most of my morning chasing after a monster so in, in that regard it just it feels real you know what i mean it feels like you're actually hunting monsters like when they get weak they don't like try to attack they get stronger and then they run away from you you have to catch them so the weapon varieties are amazing i played i usually played in my 3ds i played with like a lumbering sword that took like longer times to like charge up now i'm playing with like more of a staff that's a lot faster I, I feel like I'm really finding my game my the way I want to play already, which is very exciting for me, mm-hmm. especially since this game is coming out Friday. Well, here's a huge question, right? And we talk about, like, oh, single-player experiences are going down, which, like, isn't true, but people talk about that all the time. More than that, it seems like every game is becoming, like, an open-world game. So, like, are we getting away from, like, linear games? Uh, is this what we're going to be seeing more of, like, because even traditional franchises like Zelda are now moving to open world. And I like it, I do, but it's daunting, especially, like, how am I supposed to play three open world games at the same time? Like, that's insane. It's too much. It's too big. Well, this is a very good point, right? Because we have, and I, I agree with you, we have a lot of open world games and a lot of, like, especially if you're getting older and you're becoming more professional, it's hard to put 50 to 60 hours into these individual projects, you know? So, but you're, I think the trend is coming back to linear games, especially like after with the Wolfensteins and the mm. Uncharted's and the, mm, God, I don't know. That's a good point. I think you're right. I think we are getting away from linear games because I can only think of two that are still like standing out today. It's weird. It's something that I don't think a lot of attention has been drawn to, but it's something that's kind of happening because they've, they've changed what open world even means. You know, it's, it's different with different games. It's not like... I don't know. You know, what we used to think of an open-world game was an open-world game, right? Like, that was the selling point for it. And now it's just almost expected for a lot of these games. Like, something like a um, Assassin's Creed now, or... Where, like, you used to be able to move around a whole bunch, but you were sort of on a track. And now in these games, even when there is a story, like, you can just skip huge parts of the story and go to, like, the end of the game at the beginning of the game. You might die, but you can go there. I don't know. It's just it's an interesting no, trend. You make a no. You make a really good point. I think that's. I saw an argument on Twitter about like the length of Japanese games and how like if you're making all these games a hundred hours, it's hard for consumers to really try to figure out which game to play. Especially if you're making like a bunch of excellent games that are over like forty. To, like let's talk about Horizon was like a fifty-hour game. Mm-hmm. Yakuza was like a fifty-hour game. Persona was a 100-hour game. Xenoblade was a 100-hour game. Like, where do you find the time to play all these games? And I agree, we need to get back to, like, putting out more, like, 10- to 12-hour linear games where people can play over a weekend. We just don't have as many of those anymore. Right. Well, here's... Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Well, here's a huge question, and I'm sorry, this might derail this conversation and move into a different track. But what's funny to me, let's say I work for Sony, right? And I'm one of the, the Sony people, the PS4 people. If I'm getting games delivered to me that are going to take an hour and fifty, like 150 hours to beat, that means I'm going to sell less other games, right? Because people want enough time to do it. So I wonder if there's pushback actually from the higher ups. Look, like it's a selling point that is something like Breath of the Wild, like oh, I need to get this game because I'm going to get so much bang for my buck out of this one game. But it's also if I'm the bigger company on top of that, I might be buying less games because I'm still playing Zelda. See, the thing is, though, Pat, uh, I think you are wired a little bit differently than most consumers who buy video games. You are one of those people, you sit down, you focus on that game that you're playing, and you're not going to, like, draw your attention to another game pretty much until you beat it. Now, for myself, Edmund, and actually the majority of gamers, because that's the thing, I think the most profitable thing to do, and it it kind of may even 
bleed into our next topic a little bit. I think that these video game um, teams feel pressure to provide the most value, the most bang for your buck for gamers, and that's what a lot of people get angry about these days. Oh, there wasn't enough content. There wasn't enough collectibles. Oh, I didn't feel like I spent 60 bucks. I should have had 60 hours. Now, most people will never even beat the game, but I think consumers just want to know and feel good about their purchase being 60 bucks and that there's a ton of content in the game. I think that's what it comes down to, and, that, and I think it also puts a lot of strain and stress on the work-life balance of some of these uh, people in publishing, um, you know, actually developing the game, marketing the game. So it's uh, it's a really interesting ecosystem, I think, between all people involved right now. Is that going to cut down on kids who want to do video games as a career, I wonder? Because there was that great New York Times piece a little while ago about how video games are killing the people who make them. Now there's... I mean, we can get into the next topic now, I guess, if we want, but um, with this guy, David Cage, uh, from Quantic Dream, who is just a crazy person, like a Weinstein-level crazy guy, yeah. uh, with all the sexual harassment stuff and how he abused his employees, and, like, they would call him God and the Sun King. Like, it's insane, all this stuff. So I wonder... Just, just to give a heads up, uh, yeah. David Cage is the lead developer behind Quantic Dreams, mm -hmm. and Quantic Dreams has come out. It's going to be releasing um, Detroit Being Human this year. And they are also behind games like Heavy Rain and, um, I believe, Indigo Prophecy. Right, so good games and a highly anticipated game in Detroit. I mean, I've been looking forward to that game. I remember tracking it last year trying to get to talk to these people. I, this is what's crazy for me personally, right, is that I work in an industry where I talk to a lot of these people, right? And I don't know them, but I speak to them. So I've, I've met some of the people that I've written about um, that have been, you know, embroiled in a lot of this sexual harassment stuff. So it makes it bizarre because you kind of feel guilty by enabling these people um, in whatever small way I do that because they make things that people care about and that I care about. I don't know what their personal life is like. I don't know what they're doing to their company. So I, I think I may have reached out to David Cage's company uh, late last year for a possible interview about Detroit being human. And now this is happening. So A, I don't want to talk to David Cage. And then B, I guess I'll talk to David Cage for the newsiness of it, but... Um, and then B, I, I worry about the game. What's going to happen to the game now? And what this does to an industry as a whole and for kids, what's the impact on a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old who is thinking about doing video games and then these types of stories come out? Like, oh, working on video games makes you want to kill yourself. You're going to work with a lot of crazy people. You're never going to see your family. Uh, does that hurt the industry? I, I think it does. Absolutely it hurts it. I, I think, though, that the middle school age kid who wants to be a developer, I think he or she is going to have an, is going to, like, see that as a pipe dream almost. They're, they're not going to think about this type of stuff yet. And that's kind of like what it comes, what uh, growing up, becoming adult is about, is figuring out how much more com uh, complex society is, supporting a company, because it's really tough because... With the David Cage stuff, I don't want to support Detroit, but then I know there's probably a lot of really hardworking, good people that have put their life and soul into this game, and, and it's this one guy who runs it that's ruining it for everyone. Like, the statements they, they sent out on the 17th of January were, I mean, to, to be frank, and this is me speaking for myself, I think they're, they're absolute trash. Yeah. It's just every single person is valued here. Um, we, you know, we want to have a safe environment, but they don't list what they're going to do to change and, and actually address uh, people's concerns. So it's really, it's really complex, tough issue. But it goes into, um, I think, video game. It's a grind. They need to pump out. Like I said, it goes into these fifty-hour experiences, and a lot of times, like with Assassin's Creed, at one point it was like one year in between games where they're pumping out fifty. Our games like it's bananas, and and I do this work because I do work with kids that are transitioning from like um, high school and uh, college to like their careers and things like that. And from my perspective, kids are hungry; they're going to do whatever they can to get into that job. And it's such it's so competitive that kids are willing to work twenty or I'm sorry, like fifty hour, sixty hour weeks in order to appease their boss. So. From my perspective, I think if a kid goes through college to do computer science or to do coding or to do whatever they want, their heart desires, and they get out and they get get that job offered to work for the video game company that they played video games for for years, a lot of that stuff is just going to gloss over them because they're going to go and It's like meeting your favorite celebrity, right? right? Everything you've heard about them, might you might forget about it because you're just they're in front of you. You have an opportunity to work with them. You have an opportunity to basically put that on your resume um, to start your career. 
So I don't I don't know. Um, I think I, if it if it was a more widespread like a uh, movement to get people to get these video game developers to unionize or something. I know Pat loves that word. <laughs> May, I don't know. Maybe I I, I, just, I just don't know to be honest with you. See, I th- I think the key to this will be is these younger people, the people that are working at these developers now, that are a little bit lower junior in um, their level. I think the key comes down is these people need to sit there and think to themselves, okay, do one, do I want to stay in this industry? Is there another industry where I can have a better work-life balance? Or two, what can I do to change it? So I think we will see a a, uh, a lot more, one, probably you know female or a little bit more diverse uh, people actually trying to create their own publishing, developing companies that are younger, maybe more millennials, maybe uh, a little bit older than that, or the 15-year-olds now. And I think that's where you're going to see the change because a lot of these companies start with a bunch of, to be, this is me painting with a broad stroke, but these companies with issues, it's probably a bunch of bros who they get together, it's all their friends, and they have like a kind of a joking kind of frat-like vibe. And then eventually more and more levels of the company get built out and their vibe kind of gets pushed down on everyone else. Yeah. It starts making people feel uncomfortable. I think that is the that is the most real take. Uh, nobody ever says it that way. I don't know why. It drives me nuts. I think you hit it exactly on the head. It starts off with it's a bunch of buddies like working together, right? And then when you when a company starts to build and there's a lot of people that like you don't know intimately, like when you started this business, you can't be making those types of jokes and doing that type of stuff. And even that even being said, I'm not trying to look what this guy did apparently allegedly uh, he has pictures of people in you know sexual positions with homophobic and racist slurs it it even said even made up to look like nazis is one of the quotes that's unacceptable even like with your friends that's craziness i don't know why you'd be doing stuff like that but it's absolutely unacceptable when you're running an actual company and you're paying these people's salary because they always talk about this right if it's an abuse of power but if you're somebody's boss you cannot speak to somebody who is subordinate to you the same way you would talk to your friend who you started your company with it just absolutely it, not. it just doesn't work that way no. and we're seeing a lot of this and this i think that can be true and you can say that without trying to make a scapegoat for these people i'm not trying to say this as an excuse for the way these people act i'm just trying to this is to me one of the main reasons why this type of stuff is happening it's because you started something that was casual and never changed your attitude or the way you worked with other people as it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And you are treating people who work under you, whose paycheck you signed, as somebody who like you drank beer with in college. Yeah, absolutely. And I also need want to point out that like these employees, you need to realize that your manager is not your friend. Right. They're never going to be your friend. They're using you for labor, essentially. So when you go in there and they're asking you to work these 50 to 60 hours a week, you have to put your foot down. You have to say, like, I don't I don't remember this being in my job description. Mm-hmm. You have to unionize. Like, you, you have rights as a worker. And don't let these employers just base, and I tell my kids this all the time, don't let these employers put a foot on your neck because they'll continue to continue mm-hmm. to put pressure on it. And I agree with everything you said, Pat, and I agree with everything you said. A lot of these, Colin, a lot of these companies, they have their bros or a lot of their friends, and that's what happens. That, you know, it's like a trickle down on toxicity, right? Um, and then the point where someone finally speaks up and then the whole thing gets derailed. Right. Yeah, and I think it's a good reminder if anyone's listening out there, always if you're in a hostile work environment, um, and I think that's a great call out, Edmund, is uh, – one of the best career advice I ever got from a manager is no one cares about your career more than you, which is regardless of what people tell you, you are always going to care about your career more. And I think it's important that you always keep receipts. You always you have these dia- this dialogue. You do it over email. So that way, if eventually it does hit a breaking point, you have all this evidence. Because I've seen this in the tech world. This isn't just video games. Like, oh, no. I hear about engineers in San Francisco that work nonstop all day, every day. Customer service reps. like it, It's across the board. And it's all a, a balancing act. But, you know, a lot of these developers, if you're at a hot company and you know you got six other people that are waiting outside the door to take your job, it can be, it can be a tough battle. Yeah, and that's, yeah. Ex- that's exactly it right there, is that these are, these are high-profile jobs. They are desired jobs. So if you're young and it's your first one, it's really hard to speak up. I, I talk about this for myself from personal experience, you know, because I work at a, a well-known publication. It was a coveted job. It was hard to get. And it's, it's scary. It's a hyper-competitive field. I would imagine video games are the same thing. Journalism's like this. Tech is like this. There's lots and lots of different companies like this. And it, it makes it daunting for you to stand up for yourself because you never want to be seen as the person who's like, 
you don't want to be the problem child. You don't want to be the person who's like, oh, well, everyone else is going along with it. Right. And it's nice now to see that a lot of people are standing up to things and pushing back against it. Uh, so maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe it will be different for a 15-year-old kid now when they're my age. Uh, maybe the culture will be different. I don't know if it will, frankly. Maybe I'm cynical in thinking that. I don't think you can just... I think some of this is a bit of human nature, which scares me, but I think that might be true. I think that people in power don't always abuse power, but I think that there will always be people in power who do abuse power. I don't think it's... Yeah, I don't absolutely. think everyone does it, but I do think that, that there will always be people who do do it. Like 89.9% of people do it. <laughs> I mean, and especially to young workers, man. Right. Like, especially young workers. Like, think of the three of us as a good example. Like, all of us, I guarantee you, are, when we first started, we're working 60 to 70 hours a week. Like, staying until 7 o'clock. Going in at 5 in the morning, staying until 7 o'clock. That, because that's just what was what we were told to do. You have to work in order to make it. And you're right, Pat. I don't know if the system's going to change in a short 10, 10 15 years. I mean, that's why you just got to, like I said, I, I'm, I'm hopeful in the fact where I really do hope people will find the means to start their own companies, make it a little little more diverse. So to be frank, so it's not just a older, you know, 40 to 60 year old, uh, older white guy club, because that's what it is right now. So yeah. I, and, not, and I'm not saying that it has to be diversity hires and stuff, but it just literally just got to get a mix of people people and perspective in there and I, i'm hopeful in the fact that maybe some of these people that are sitting here and watching or they're you know off to the side watching can take this in and be like all right let's create a positive culture from the ground up and start it when you know you start a company and really just build each lego on top of that where it's keeping that tone so i there are companies who do that in div, you know i know there's a lot of smaller developers and stuff like that where i think there is that out there um, so that's one thing I do want to call out is, you know, I feel like someone could sit here and listen to this and think that it's doomsday where every developer is terrible, right. but there, there <laughs> is a lot to talk about in this though right now. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. And, and like you said earlier about like free market, like <laughs> this is much easier to say than it is to do, but you are free to go and start your own company, which is nice. You have that option. You can start a podcast and hope to God that it goes big so you can quit your job and be a millionaire. And, and, build, and build Legos on Twitch all day. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but that's, you're right, though. But that's the thing that we're seeing, right? Especially with this younger generation. They don't want to work for anybody. Like That's right. why Lego is so big. These kids want to create, right? And we're seeing it with YouTube stars. We're seeing it with Twitch. We're seeing it with Patreon. Like A lot of these people are like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to work for anyone, so I'm going to make my own company. And a lot of and some some of these people are successful, and I'm on the fence. I don't know if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, but right. we'll see. It's a it's a weird, weird, weird section of where we're at right now. It is. I mean, time. I mean, a good call out really quickly will just be the the kind of funny games crew. I mean, they were working at IGN. It seems like to me from just what I've read about it and everything, they didn't agree with management all the time at IGN. There's kind of been some toxic reports coming out about how they run their business. So they're like. You know, Greg Miller and all those guys are like, you know, we we have followings, we have a, a brand already. Let's just go and create our own thing. And they've been super successful doing so. But also, for every success story, there's probably ten thousand failures. So it's a uh, really tough uh, thing to actually be successful and be able to uh, go ahead and support yourself when you're just creating content, quote unquote content. <laughs> content, the, the mythical content that floats out there. Got to catch that content. That's right. Well, this is all really interesting stuff, and I, I apologize for anyone listening if this gets a little bit off of video games and is a little bit more serious than the fair that we normally talk about. But it, these are things that they deserve to be talked about. Uh, I also don't think that there should be an age limit on this. I'm not sure what our listenership, how they skew in terms of age, but even if it's younger, these are interesting things and important things that you should think about even if you are a teenager. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to go spend 60 Bucks, I think you should kind of know a little bit of what you're buying into, so I think it's important to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of money and the making of it, Overwatch League is uh, doing pretty good. How about that for a segue? It's a blam! That's the. That's why I should be a millionaire, right you're there. On fire today. You're I thank on you. Fire today. Thank you. I'm very good at it. Uh, the Overwatch League debuted uh, last week, two weeks ago. Uh, depends when this is released. Uh, and it did a lot better than I think people were thinking. At least, okay, that's maybe not that's not fair. People who watch esports probably it did the way they thought it was going to do. I was surprised by it. Here's a crazy headline that you might have seen: the Overwatch League outperformed Thursday Night Football in its opening day live stream. That is insanity to me. Here's here's the real question. Sorry, Pat. Mm -hmm. Did anyone kneel 
during the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> was there a national anthem? I don't even know if they played the national anthem. Did they pray? Like, like, what's going on here? You got to say the national anthem before you start a game. Are they American? Come on now. <laughs> Colin, Colin Kaepernick just goes around in different leagues and kneels for national anthems. Yeah, I was actually watching the over, uh, Overwatch League, and all of a sudden I saw him in the background just kneeling in the middle of the game. I don't even know why he was doing it. Kneeling <laughs> he was left. Uh, anyway, what did, first off, did you guys watch uh, the inaugural Overwatch League matches? And then B, is this what you expected it to go out of the gate from? Because it seems this is going to be a real thing. It's going to be, it already is, but it's going to get bigger. So this is it. Get ready for it. Esports are real. I didn't watch it. <laughs> that, was a quick, that was a quick answer. I, I didn't watch it, but I'm, I'm happy to see it do well. Um, and whatever, there's always new avenues for sports. I don't think that sports should be dictated to a certain um, like ball and whatever, but... <laughs> I didn't think it was going to do this good. I'm kind of like laughing at it, but yeah, I mean the fact that that Blizzard was able to, uh, I guess the report. I don't know if the the financials have been updated, but it looks like they were reported to have signed a two year ninety million dollar deal with Twitch um, to for to broadcast the live streaming. Right, so I mean I didn't watch it. Uh, but I'm not crazy into esports. My when I stream a video game, it's usually a new game that I want to see kind of how it plays. It's mm-hmm. something I'm on the fence about buying. That's kind of how I use my uh, Twitch views, but. Yeah, I don't. It's it's really. I guess I'm, I'm impressed that it's doing so well. I'm curious what the longevity will be since it was like its opening stream. Um, also, Thursday night football's trash, so I uh, <laughs> don't look too much into that because they barely get any time to prep. I can talk about Thursday night football forever. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. I agree. But with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's really interesting that they were able to get such a high viewership, but also they're able to lock in that money. It's Amazon money that's coming into Twitch, so. It's Overwatch is the cream of the crop. I, I don't know how sustainable it is to have this for every new competitive game that comes out, but it, it is impressive. So I, I have a question. Um, how are they claiming higher ratings than Thursday Night Football? Was it did they have more viewers on like Twitch than they it's, had viewers? It's yeah, unique, it's unique, unique viewers. viewers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And weren't they all blowouts? Were there even any good matches? Well, I heard. I heard they were just like. Teams were just annihilating each other. What does that even mean, though? Like, I don't know. This is me sounding old and kaji, but, like, I, what do I care if there was a blowout or not? Like, I'm watching people play a video game. Like, I care yeah, if you, it's competitive. But do you want to see, like, look at the playoff. I didn't watch any NFL. But oh, you, are you, Eddie, are you, Eddie, are you talking about uh, competitiveness of Thursday night football games or of the actual Overwatch? No, league? I'm talking the Overwatch. There were just, there were blowouts. Yeah, was, like, yeah, they said it was, like, four to zero games. every time. Yeah, so why... That's my thing. Is like, is that even entertaining to watch? It needs to be a balance. Maybe you should know. talk to your guys out there in San Francisco and make a better product for my dudes down here in LA. Who stomped your ass? Yeah, over San Francisco got stomped, which is insane <laughs> because we have nothing but nerds out here. So I don't get it. And everyone in LA is too busy being in Hollywood, trying to be in Hollywood. So I don't, I don't understand how that works. Yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering if like maybe competitive because I mean people love watching Overwatch on Twitch. It's usually one of the like top five that are streaming. I mean maybe people are super into the game and they like seeing how other people, how teams like handle their character selection, how they actually handle their character in certain situations. I mean, like I said, I. I have limited time to game, so if I have the choice to watch a video game or play one, I'm going to play one. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously people like it. Obviously, it's, once again, like Labo, this is not for us. This is not made for the three of us. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think I feel the same type of resentment towards this that I do as Labo, because like Colin said, I don't want all games to have some type of esports component to it. And I think this trend was pretty big in 2016, like every multiplayer game that you saw that was released with a trailer had some type of esports announcer attached to it. And I think that's a really bad look. Um, so I just, I'm glad for Overwatch. I'm glad for Blizzard. I know Overwatch has a very dedicated fan base that seems to be, I know a lot of grown men who want to play Overwatch professionally, you know, to each their own. But I don't want to see a trend of every multiplayer game having an esports component attached to it because I think that kind of... It makes it too competitive, and it takes out the casualness in it. I agree. Let no. me also let me also say this, like in case anybody thinks, like, oh, you guys are like 
bashing on this. I can think something is stupid and make fun of it all I want to and still defend that it should exist and that I'm happy for the people who do enjoy it. If you like Overwatch League, I'm happy for you. I really am. I'm just, it's not for me and I can make fun of it as much as I want to. Uh, I make fun of basketball all the time. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, you can do both. You know what, I'm, I'm trying to legitimize, like, anything that can legitimize video games to a wider audience, I'm always a fan of, because I still get a little bit of that itch, like, when I'm riding BART in the Bay Area to work, I live in the East Bay Area, I take, I commute an hour each way every day, um, into the San Francisco, uh, city, and when I'm sitting there pulling out my Switch to, like, get in a little Zelda or play some SteamWorld Dig 2, I'm, like, kind of sitting there, like, looking around, like, oh, who's looking at me? Like, is there people judging me? Like, I still get like that because, one, I'm a, I'm a grown man. <laughs> it's having video games on a commute. I'm a but, grown man! I, but it's crazy, though. Like, I feel that. But then also people come up to me, like, little old ladies will be like, oh, that's so cool. What is that? And, like, they'll ask it. And they're like, oh, I would love to have that. Like, I commute all day. Like, it's kind of interesting. You're seeing the change happen. So I'm in favor of anything that legitimizes video games a little bit more to the masses. So that's why I'm, I'm rooting for the Overwatch League. I hope it does well. I hope they handle other games handle competitive sports like Overwatch. It's a big part of Overwatch. But there's no actual component in game besides like rank matches and stuff. It's not like look at our our competitive like this is our competitive league and stuff. And there may be some ads for it, but it's not like an actual in your face. You can still play Overwatch and it'd be a fun, good time. Pick up and play a couple matches. That's true. Yep. Well, I agree with everything you said. Me and too. I, and if anyone who can make money playing a video game, congratulations. Yeah. You, frankly, you're, you're I'm like I'm jealous, jealous of you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not jealous at all. But you beat the system, so go ahead. Go for you. Every time I drive into work, I'm like, oh my god, there are people who are getting paid to hit a golf ball or play Overwatch right now. Yeah, but those guys are like the the fun is taken out of the game for me. It's a job, right? So I that's why I would I can never do that type of work because it's like I like playing video games because they're fun. If it's a job around it, I don't know if I would still enjoy it as much. You're right. Those people who get paid millions of dollars to play games, their lives are really awful. They're hard. They're really hard, dude. They're really, really hard. Uh, Alright, we're running short on time, so let's uh let's wrap this dude up. Alright, let's end this week's podcast with a new segment. Which we'll be repeating every year from now on, but it'll always be about 2018. What do you want from 2018 in gaming? There'll be fun music here. It'll be like... That's it, basically. That's a pretty good song. Thanks a lot. Here, I can, I can go first. I have something on mine pretty quick. So, one thing I'm really... It's kind of... Uh, it's just one hope that something is really good and it comes out, and that's Anthem. Um, I'm praying that it actually makes the December cut up. Anthem is the Bioware, uh, kind of Destiny-like, open-world-ish uh, game. It looks pretty cool for me, 3, but I really think Bioware and EA need to win really bad. And also, it looked really cool from the, the early footage, so I'm really hoping that um, you know Anthem comes out, that it's good, and that it gives a win for Bioware so they have money and they can make good Mass Effect games again. You know, maybe we had the writer of Anthem on the podcast, and maybe he's coming up pretty soon. Hey, cool. I don't maybe. know, maybe. I don't know. Huh. For me, I agree with Colin, but I would like to see Microsoft step it up a little bit more. Well, of course, everyone knows what I'm really excited for is Red Dead Redemption, but <laughs> I think we're losing the competitive, competitive, oh my god, I can't speak right now. I think we're losing the competitive edge between Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, Nintendo stepping it up majorly. We're going to see a lot of great ports on Nintendo. I think a lot of uh, third party and a lot of uh, big big name developers are have faith in Nintendo Switch. We're seeing a lot of games being brought over, so I think Nintendo Switch is coming for your heads. So it'd be nice to see Microsoft step that up again as well so we have like a nice little competition between the three companies again because that's what breeds the best games, right? So that's what I'm hoping for. I need Microsoft to step their shit up and I need Nintendo to keep doing what they're doing. PlayStation, you had a good run, but I think your time's coming. Uh, put on your angry pants because I only have one thing that I want from 2018 and that's Final the Fantasy. remake of Final Fantasy VII to finally be released. Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that game? <laughs> That's a good 
point. Where the hell did it's that been like ten years? I think genuinely, it's been ten years since they first like announced that they would. They showed that beautiful trailer to it. That was like four um, years ago, too. Four years ago. Yeah. What and is I'm going like, on? Got me excited. I was like, let's go, let's go. I, I'm into a Final Fantasy VII, and then it's gone. Yeah, I want to say like I heard something about it. Like they're thinking there's rumors that it may not come out till like 2019 or even like 2020. Why is it taking so long? I don't know. It is a, it, but it's a complete remake, though. That's what I'll give it about Final Fantasy. Like, it's a complete remake. And I heard they're making the uh, battle system real-time, right? It's not going to be a menu-based anymore. Yeah. Or am, or am I wrong? Well, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It sounds like it's a completely, like, new, revamped game. So, look, if it's worth the wait, fine. I just want it. I want it now. Give it to me. Give it! Pat, you should play Lost Sphere. That's coming out on Tuesday. I don't know if... It is coming out on Microsoft. It is a Square Enix game. Slumber in the Vein, like Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger. I think you may like that game. Hmm. All right. I'm picking it up. I already pre-ordered it, but it's it's been on my radar for a long time. Um, I'm kind of a rhombus guy, so I don't know if I want to like get into the sphere world so much. Um, well, dude, you just got to expand your horizons, okay? <laughs> Try out some different shapes. Chocobos? <laughs> I do like Chocobos. Pretty rad. All right. The rhombus, that is my favorite shape, I think. All right, well, what does the future hold? We don't know, but that's what we want from 2018, so step it up, year. But you know what I do know? Monster Hunter comes out on Friday. Whoop, whoop. We got two big games, Lost Fear, Monster Hunter. I think PlayStation has some like weird little game coming out. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but it's like some doctor adventure, people are dying type thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about it next week. Metal Gear Survive has a beta out right now, which is kind of insane. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Man. It's a good week, guys. Uh, leave us some comments. Follow us if you don't. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on SoundCloud. We're all over the place. Follow us. Share us. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Yes, thank you. Email us, donkeykongartist at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, or anything like that. We'll be stepping it up this year. We'll be providing more content. Hopefully we'll get more. Um, we'll provide more podcasts on a weekly by weekly basis. Yes. We'll get better, guys. We promise. We love you. Hey, you guys got it all. Hit me up on MySpace. Blam! <laughs> <laughs> I miss MySpace. And then Dragon Ball Fighter Z come out next week, too. Uh, I think it's the week after.